let's hear some real life examples of what it means to really know that life has your back. You are listening to the Get Unstuck podcast with me, your host, Laura Husson. I am delighted to have you here. This podcast was being created to inspire, educate and facilitate shifts that get you unstuck, clear and moving in your life and business. Expect tips, advice and real life stories of people just like you who've gone from unclear and stuck to create an extraordinary success. It's time to let go of the how and step into the now. Welcome to this brand new episode of the Get Unstuck podcast. I am your host, Laura Husson, and today I am really, really looking forward to introducing you to my gorgeous guest, Nikki Penny. Nikki is the owner, the founder, the facilitator of the business Be Your Best Yet. And Nikki is a a life improvement coach. She's a live life improvement coach. (laughs) I met Nikki last year in May 2020 when she came and joined the Get Unstuck sessions, the very first time that I ran it. And it was so gorgeous hearing her twists and turns of her ahas, her light bulbs and everything else that this was such a gorgeous opportunity not only to share her transformation with you, but also for me to dive deeper into her story of what life looked like for her before we knew each other. So I'm thrilled to hand over to this interview and I cannot wait to hear what you think. As always, come and join me in the Shift Seekers group. Come to theshiftseekers.com and I will see you on the inside. Hi, Nikki, and welcome to the Get Unstuck podcast. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to have you here. I know that this has been one of those situations where there's been a couple of bumpy starts because I kept running away and doing other things and <laughs> needing to reschedule. Not running away from you, I should be clear. <laughs> running away from my schedule. <laughs> it was worth the wait to have you here, though. I am really grateful for you giving up time, especially we're so brand new into this new year. I would love for you to take a moment to just introduce this current version of Nikki to anybody who's listening. Thank you very much. So I am a life improvement coach. I am the founder of Be Your Best Yet, which is my life improvement coaching business. And I started that business pretty much a year ago, 1st of January 2020. So it's the first business that I've run. So I'm fairly new to entrepreneurship, although I do say that it's in my genes because my dad was a bit of a serial entrepreneur. Mm. And um, yeah, so uh, exciting times that uh, that we find ourselves in. Oh my goodness, isn't it just? And hearing you, I know that yesterday, because you're a member of my mastermind now, which is really exciting. <laughs> yesterday, when you were, I think you described it that you said you're at the beginning of year two. Yes. And I was like, oh yeah, she's two years into her business. And just hearing you say that, like my business is one year old, I'm like, whoa, that's a whole like 100% less time <laughs> than I thought it was that you've been doing your business. That's what my mind heard yesterday was two years. But yes, wow, one year. Day one, one year two. That is incredible. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, well, how did you come to be in this business? Where did it come from? What's the What's the journey? So my background prior to, to doing this, um, I started off life as a, a human resources 
practitioner, no, human resources professional. That's probably a better way to describe it. Mm. So long ago now, I can't even remember. Um, so, so I, um, I did business management at university and it's probably worth saying that I always thought I was going to go and work with horses because I have horses now. I'd always been horse mad. On one of the rare occasions that I listened to my mum, she had a conversation <laughs> with me about the age of 15. I, I think I was doing my GCSEs and deciding what to do next. And she said, you know, if you go and work with horses, you could be working six days a week for maybe not too much money. What sort of things do you want in your life? She was quite savvy about how she did it. Do you want a nice mm. car? Do you want to go on holiday? And she was always very worried that if I did it for a job, it would become something that I no longer loved. So she gave mm. me the advice. And like I say, unusually for me at that stage, I listened. And I went to um, sixth form college and did business and finance. And then I went to university and did business management. And the view was, well, if you go and kind of get a, a proper job, in quotes, um, because I think she thought working with horses wasn't a proper job, um, yeah. then you can afford to have a horse of your own, which had always been my dream. So so off I tottled to university. And when I finished, um, I wanted to go into human resources, largely because um, during the modules that I'd studied in my um, business degree, it was always the behavioral psychology stuff that I loved mm -hmm. and the, all the things around people. So it made sense. So I started off my career as a shiny 21-year-old in, it was called personnel at the time, which is oh, yeah. showing my age a little bit. And I did a role in a, in a paper company in Northampton for 12 months. And then I found myself working at Vodafone. And Vodafone was such a, an awesome organization for me. It, I joined at the time when people had kind of got phone, mobile phones in their glove box in case they broke down. Right. And from there, it just went vroom and then the world. And I was there for about seven years. And I worked my way up through, through different roles. And, and again, um, with lots of working with managers to develop their teams, a lot around behavioral psychology. And I loved it. I was always so interested in how you change behavior, how people have got potential, how you can get the best from them. As what often happens in HR, though, particularly as you progress, you can end up being dragged into, you know, much more or much less kind of exciting things, you know, high level disciplinaries, restructures, <laughs> which is the nuts and bolts of the job. And essentially, because I am organized and assertive and I have a real ability to, to learn and develop relationships... I kind of got promoted almost without realizing quite a few times, which might sound a little bit bizarre, but I found myself, I moved on from, from Vodafone and went to various places. I went to Bradford and Bingley where I met my husband and I just kind of was promoted and promoted. I never really had a plan, which sounds odd because I'm a huge planner. And what happened was I got to a very senior position very early and kind of went, oh, I'm not doing any of the stuff that I like. And mm. this was at the time that the um, financial crisis hit. And I found myself in an organization that culturally wasn't right for me. And and it wouldn't have been anyway. But at the time with the financial crisis happening, you know, after the, the banks went bust and everything, it was incredibly difficult. And mm. I was there for four years. My husband got made redundant from Bradford and Bingley and had six months out while he was looking for another job because we lived in the north of England and lots of tricky things were going on. Unemployment yeah. was quite high. And I was in a very, it was where I really fell out of love with HR, having previously had, I could probably have counted on like two hands days that I hadn't enjoyed at work. Always loved work. 
but I was in the wrong business at the wrong time at the wrong level. I'd kind of been promoted Mm. to a level that I never really wanted to be at. And so I was being asked to give more of myself than, than I wanted to. And it, it was, it wasn't sustainable. I mean, burnout was almost inevitable. And so and I mentioned this to you before, actually, um, you, you talked in previous podcasts about running away from your teaching career. Um, yes. and, and I kind of ran away from my HR career. Um, I got offered the HR director position in this organization and I was 34 and it was a mm. six figure salary. And I barely had to think before I turned it wow. down. I was just like, nope, not for me. And so many people were like, really? Wow. Like this is incredible. And I was like, it's really not. I didn't want to be an HR director in any business. I certainly didn't want to be one in that business. So a situation kind of occurred where we had, um, the, the restructure was happening in the business and they needed an HR director. And I was so lucky that an interim HR director came to me who was there at the time and said, listen, they really want me to train you up. Kind of, you can ask for what you want. They really want you. And I was like, I really don't want it. (laughs) I I fessed up as to why that was, um, not just because I didn't want the role, but we had a year or so earlier, maybe slightly less, bought a property in France because we were planning our escape from the rat race, basically. And Mm. We just wanted a total change of life. We we were just literally on that hamster on the wheel, um, mm. passing like ships in the night. It just was, it wasn't good for me. I, I got to the point where I was thinking, I'm going to have to work four days a week because my sanity just cannot cope. I had no quality yeah. time with my horses, no quality time with my husband. I just, whilst I wasn't ill, in quotes, I wasn't well and I yeah. it was awful. So what happened fortuitously was um, the HR director had a very good um, relationship with the MD and he said, we need her. Can we negotiate that she stays for like 12 months or 18 months? We'll pay her, you know, handsomely to do that. And and then then she can kind of go on her merry way. That was perfect for us because it gave us the buffer to do all the things we wanted to do in, in France. And um, so so basically that's what we did. And we landed here in spring of 2012 with me having wow. kind of wound up 15 years of maybe nearly 16 years of corporate HR life. Oh my goodness. So you, so this is incredible. And oh my goodness, there's so many pieces in here that I know that people who are listening are going to be like, oh my gosh. And I think before I ask you about this, where you arrived in France, because I want to hear, I want to pick up from there. I want to go back to that moment where you knew that it was just, it was just a no for you. It was so easy. It sounds like it was so easy for you to be undeniably clear that even with the six figure salary, which I'm sure at some point before that would have been a like dream to have been offered something like that. What was going through your mind? Did you second guess yourself at any point? What kind of thoughts and feelings were you having at that time when you were saying no to that? Oh, I knew with every fiber of my being, it was like a capital N and a capital O. It wasn't <laughs> even like a, do, when, when I actually had the conversation with the HR director, like my body almost like convulsed in repulsion. It was like, don't even 
and, and obviously with the work that I do now and all that I know, it was my intuition literally yeah. banging on the inside of my body going, don't do it. Um, <laughs> it was really good for me that it was that clear. And I felt so grateful. It was funny with all the work that we do now. You, you never think you're going to be grateful for something that makes you feel awful, like the stress in relation to all of the restructures and, and everything else and all the people that I had to deal with who were really quite tricky at the time. I went from having always loved my career to a complete 180 swing to just, if honestly, if I could have walked away and lived on a desert island forever, which is kind of what mm-hmm. I did, even though France isn't a desert <laughs> island, but it was that, I was that done with it. So the mm-hmm. idea of giving more of myself, they could have offered me like a 10 figure salary and I still would have said no. It's just, there wow. wasn't enough money in the world. And I think because I would have been on like 80 something, I can't even remember when, mm-hmm. and it was, it was never about the money ever. Yeah. And so it wouldn't have mattered. They could have offered me 10 times that and I still would have said no. I might have done it for a year and then disappeared off into the, you know. But it it was, yeah, I just knew it was primal, I guess, is the best way I can describe it. Yeah, that knowing, and I've spoken about this before around how your intuition will move you and how strong that is. Like, I mean, that is very much what happened for me when I, when I did run away from my teaching job was that I found myself in that office. I didn't really know how I got there. It was very automatic that yeah. I was standing there almost out of body experience saying, I think I'm here to have my notice in. And I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> it, when it happened, I've had a few things in my life and this is obviously an example of one that was a real no, but I've had kind of three other really strong yeses. And I think it's at the time I wasn't in touch with my intuition because there was just way too much else going on, but it obviously wasn't going to allow me to, for it not to be heard. Um, that's the, that's the only really strong no that I can remember, but it, it was, yeah, so strong. I love that you say that because one of the questions people ask me the most is around intuition and around like, well, how do you know? How do you listen to it? How do you? And it's like, you cannot, your intuition, this is my belief, will not allow you to override what is for you. Yes. And this is why we end up in burnout and why we end up in that, like that place you described where you were like, I wasn't ill, but I definitely wasn't like at my best. Mm. That level of like depleted energy and depleted enthusiasm and just kind of, just kind of running, you know, just like operational, but not, not really thriving, just in that like ticking along. I used to say often, stop the world, I want to get off. That was like, mm. a, a, it was half a joke, but it was, and it wasn't like a, a threat to leave the planet yes. by any stretch of the imagination, but it was literally like, I, I wanted a pause button because I need, what well, one, I felt like I needed about another 15 hours in my day, but I just wanted to press pause because what I now know was what was happening in my own mind that I was also exacerbating it from all that I've mm-hmm. learned since, but it was a complete like, I, I And I used to say I need to go and lie down in a darkened room as a joke. But to be honest, that yeah. probably would have been something that would have been really good for me at that time. Yes, I know. And so many people live their whole lives in careers where they feel like that till they retire or are made redundant or perhaps they have to retire or quit their jobs because of their health. And I think we have been conditioned to believe that almost that's kind of admirable, you know, it's like, oh, they've been such a hard worker, Mm. you know, and they will say that. I remember even like, 
you know, when older relatives pass away and you hear people speak about them, they're oh, he was such a hard worker. You know, there's never a day went by where he didn't. And it would be that feeling of like, wow. Oh, and it's just passed on in that subliminal way, mm. strong subliminal, but it's not said directly to you. But you just pick up the message that, oh, well, it's kind of supposed to be like this. And I do remember when I was a teenager and even even in my 20s, having this fear of having to go out and get, air quotes, a real job. And that's why I went backpack. That's why I went to university, if I'm honest, and then came back and went backpacking and then came back and didn't really know what I wanted to do and kind of landed in teaching was because I just felt like I was deferring having to go into that stressful environment. I felt like it was an inevitable outcome because that's the picture I had seen and believed was what adults did. It's really interesting that you talk about the kind of hardworking. One of the big things that that made me realize that I didn't want this for the for the long term and for my future. So we lived um, between Leeds and Harrogate at the time. And a lot of the work that I did for the organization, even though it was based in Leeds, was down in London. So I would regularly be have like a nine o'clock meeting in London. So I'd be at Leeds train station at six o'clock in the morning, having driven half an hour to get into Leeds. So up at like four, four thirty, five o'clock, which now I know how important good quality sleep is. I'm horrified, but obviously at the time yeah. I was just doing what I needed to, expected, etc. And I would see, and I would have been, you know, late twenties, early thirties, you know, oldest at this stage. And I would see the same people on the platform and they were yeah. in their fifties and their sixties. And I was like, not a chance that is not yes. in my future. And I think that was part of the, and I'd see them again on the train coming back at eight o'clock at night as I was getting home, you know, getting ready to go and do it all again the next day or whatever, you know, maybe in a different part of the country. And I think that all formed part of my, this isn't the path for me. Oh my goodness. I so, do you know, I never did that regularly, but I remember when I left teaching and I started working for myself, I think I had about four occasions where I had to go, I was living in Norwich at the time and I had to go um, to London for meetings and I had to be there early. And I remember getting up early and feeling really important and feeling really like, oh, I'm one of the, I feel like, I'm like doing something that's like really grown up. I just see, I keep saying that. It's yeah. like, I'm, I've conformed to this identity of being a grown up. Yeah. Finally. But I remember coming home and I would do this one day in a blue moon and I would come home and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I am so tired. Yeah. And I've done this once. Yeah. And there are people who do this every day for their whole working life. Yeah, it's not even fathom. It's unbelievable when you think about it. And and I and I um I understand that that thing about being grown up. When I first started, this is back in my Vodafone days, and I used to travel. And I, I say I can't speak highly enough of my time there. It was unbelievable. Mm. I have such good friendships even now. From and I left there like nearly twenty years ago. It was incredible. Wow. Um, and I used to be so excited about going off and traveling around the country, either on the train or in a pool car. And exactly, I'd go and stay in hotels, and I'd be like, yes, I'm staying away with work. It's like so yes. And then 10 years later, I was like, I'm staying away with work. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you lose, you know, staying away with work loses its shine very quickly when you do it all the time. Yes. But isn't it funny how like, you know, when you're in that piece where you're kind of in that, oh, I'm doing the things and I'm moving towards it and I'm, I'm being a grown up. And then now... We get to this kind of, I don't know if it's about the age or just the awareness or what it is, but just now I look back and I'm like, oh, now I'm coming back. And I was just writing content about this for, for Instagram before we hopped on here. Now I'm coming back to 
wanting it to be fun and wanting to, like I said at the beginning, kind of running away from my schedule and just running off to the Maldives at like two days notice because (laughs) I can. And when I was trying to conform to that grown-up persona before, that would have been like, oh, that's just irresponsible. You know, never would have. It's just so fascinating (laughs) how it goes from, you know, you're leaning towards that point where you want to be this grown-up and have all the serious things and have the commute and all the hotel stays and everything else. And then you go to the other point where you're like, yeah, I want to just like run away and do all the fun things and be a child again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, let's come back to you arriving in France, 2012. What was your drive at this point? What did you want? What were your desires? What was, was there anything on the horizon? Were you just open? How, how did that look? So when we first came, um, the intention was that um, I would do um, HR consultancy for small and medium-sized businesses that didn't need um, a sort of permanent HR person, right. but, but you know, invariably things cropped up. So it was all kind of real bread and butter stuff that I could do dead easily and I actually had a client when I came over as often happens you end up kind of starting one thing before you finish something else it became very apparent that they needed an HR person permanently after about six months so I recruited one for them I'd written all the content of my website and as you know my husband is the more technical one of the two so he needed to (laughs) I needed you at the time but he was (laughs) he was too busy um because he what happened was he'd originally intended to um, resign from his job and just do bits and pieces over here just so that we could make a living And, and my HR business was going to be the main work when he resigned his boss was like well, you can't leave. He's like, well, I'm going to live in France. And he said, well, yeah, but you can't leave. And he's like, okay, but I am still going to live in France. So anyway, his boss said, well, listen, I need you in my team. If we can make it work that you can live in France and and you can um, work for me, what do you reckon? So he rang me and I said, say yes, (laughs) which of course he did. Um, And he has actually been contracting with various businesses ever since. So what happened was once I'd recruited the HR person for that client that I had, my husband was traveling back and forth a lot at the time, just because it wasn't usual for homeworking at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And he sort of worked out some numbers and said, listen, if you don't want to work for a bit, you don't need to. And I was kind of like, ooh, where do I sign? Yeah. <laughs> and if to kind of paint the picture, so we had the horses at home and we just got a dog and we didn't have everything. Whereas now everything works like absolute clockwork because we've been here nine years. Everything wasn't all set up. So things took a bit longer. So I was able to take time out, which was brilliant, but it was, it was never meant to be that long. Um, my husband just will listen to this in the future and be, no, it never was meant to be that long. <laughs> it never really had a time frame on it, to be fair. What happened was I took the opportunity um, because when I was in the UK doing all the crazy travel that we've talked about, I was never really able to do stuff with the horses consistently that I wanted to because of energy levels, skill level, honestly, at the time and and just time and everything else. And I really want having always had the ambition with horses, like I mentioned at the start, I really wanted to kind of take the time and, and to focus in on it. So um, that's what I did. And mm-hmm. I met somebody who is now one of my closest friends. Um, she was my show jumping coach at the time. And 
she really helped me change my belief about what was possible for me. Because what I can see with the benefit of hindsight was I had massive limiting beliefs about my ability as a rider and certainly as a competitive rider. And her and I just met at the right time. We just gelled and um, she very kindly loaned me a horse of hers who made the world of difference. He was massively experienced. And she said, you know, go and have some fun on him. He can do everything. You don't have to worry. He's super sane. Go for it. What I realized, I had the horse, so I kind of had no excuse almost. I suffered really badly from nerves. I mean, like debilitating nerves and, like I said, huge limiting beliefs. And because I'm a determined sort of a person, as you will know from the the um, time that we've spent together, I was like, no, I don't, I don't accept this is my destiny. I want to sort this out. There must be a way. So I started reading, and I'd already, I'd always known around with the work that I'd done in HR that you know it's possible to change behaviours and you need to have the desire, but I didn't really know. I'd, I'd heard the term NLP, which we'll go on to talk about, I'm sure, but I didn't really know too much about it. I'd done little dribs and drabs through training courses and culture change programs and always loved it, but didn't really know more than that. And I just went straight into this, why am I suffering from all of these nerves? Why are all these other people going out and competing and doing well and seemingly not quaking in their riding boots? And I am. <laughs> so I started learning more and more. And I I realized it was about the messages that I was telling myself that I was running and completely unknowingly to me, the narrative that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't a rider, that it was for other people, et cetera. So once I realized that, I was like, oh, that doesn't sound like a good strategy. And on Facebook, I saw somebody advertising, um, helping people with competition nerves. This would have been in 2017, I think. Right. I'd done bits and pieces on the work basis since um, 2013, which is when I officially stopped, but not too much. My husband's still working away and I'm still playing ponies, but it's all good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I had a session. What happened in the ring? What would happen at a show? I'd, I'd have lessons and it would all be going really well and I'd get to a show and I still could ride but the noises in terms of how much I was having to overcome in my head, the, you can't do this. What are you doing? You're out of your depth. You're going to mess it up, etc., was so loud. And of course that took away such a huge amount of enjoyment. So having seen this ad on Facebook, I went and had a phone session and it was actually EFT, emotional freedom technique. This was my very first foray into it. And it was incredible. The, the lady who I'm still in touch with now she was brilliant in the way that she kind of explained it and talked me through it. And then I went to a show like two weeks later and it was like somebody had turned the noise off. And I was like, wow. oh. and then I realized just how much noise there really had been because you don't realize what's going on until yeah. it's gone. Like be like toothache until yes. you feel better. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And this session that we had would have been like, I don't know, half an hour. And I was like, I could change that much in half an hour. So I was hooked. I was like, right, what else can I find out? What else can I do? What else could be possible? So I had another session with her around um, something else to do with, um, I'd had a a bad experience horsey-wise previously that I just wanted to to kind of get rid of. And that was great. And then essentially what happened was I was kind of toying with the idea because I got really into competing and it can get quite expensive. And me and my husband started having a chat. Oh, I've got another no for you. Just remembered. (laughs) Me and my my husband had a chat about, okay, so the competing that you're doing, which was going really well, it's not cheap. We might want to think about whether you want to revisit your HR career. Now, by this point, it was kind of, 
even more further in my history and my body mm. went no it, there was no to the HR director role I was fine to go and do the bits and pieces when we first came to France but the more it was distanced from me the more my body was going we're, we're not going back there we're just not doing it and I I've never I've always worked hard and I've always contributed you know Simon's earned more than me at various points I've earned more than him it's always been you know that's the way that it's gone we're, we're very much a team and it wasn't that I was saying, no, I'm not going to work, but just everything was saying, don't, don't go back there, don't go back there. So I kind of said to him, thankfully, he's very understanding, listen, I'm up for doing something, but unless, you know, we're about to lose the house, I really don't want to do that. And he was like, mm. okay. So <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of like going, all right, I'm not sure what's going on here because you loved HR when we met X right. years earlier. Yeah. But fine. Luckily, he's, he's good. He doesn't question too much, thankfully. And <laughs> he, um, so he is a, how can I describe what he does? He's like a customer insight specialist is the best way I can describe it. And he had um, developed some tools separately to his work that analyze data from social media content, employee reviews, product reviews, mm. all of that kind of stuff. But he he didn't have the time to promote them. So he said, well, you know, one of the things that you could do is learn how to promote stuff online and we could try and – so I said, yeah, great, I'm going to do that. It's like the least un- yep. thing ever. But compared to HR, I was sold. <laughs> so I started off doing that and it was great. But it didn't really set my world on fire. And I am the sort of person that I need to feel passionate about something to, to kind of give it my all, really. I can still do it, but unless it lights me up, it, you know, I'm only going to be able to get it so far. And during still learning about myself and riding, um, I saw an article online and it was like a proper woof moment. I can, I can pinpoint mm. it. It was, again, on Facebook. People say bad things about social media, but Facebook's been good to me. It was an article about an NLP practitioner in Teesside in the northeast of England, which is actually the northeast is where my husband's from. There's a high male suicide rate, or there was up there. And this was a guy who um, was offering free workshops to people who felt like they were struggling with things like um, suicidal tendencies. And in the article, there was a guy who had previously tried to take his own life. He was relatively young, had a young family, young wife. And he credited the guy who ran the workshops with basically turning his life around. And the article talked about, the practitioner said, it's not that people need medication, and, and some people might think that's controversial, to deal with um, depression and depressive thoughts. It's that they don't know how to process those thoughts and feelings to be able to help themselves. And I read it and I was like, that, that is mm-hmm. everything that I believe to be true. We have some depression in my family. And and it just literally, it spoke to me. And I ran downstairs to my husband, who was in his office at his desk, completely unbeknownst to this hurricane that was arriving in his office. And I just went, oh my God, I've just read this article and it's incredible. And he just went, okay, you need to go and and find out a way how you can learn how to do this. Because this is the oh. thing I've heard. I haven't heard you feel this or sound this passionate about something like in eons. And I was like, ooh. And I mentioned before, I had a friend um, who was an ex-colleague from Vodafone who had been trained as an NLP practitioner and then a master practitioner 10 years earlier. 
I happened to just message him and say, can we have a call? And he was like, yeah, I had probably hadn't spoken to him for three years. Um, <laughs> and I just said, I've just read this article. It's incredible. And he'd said to me at the time when he'd qualified, if you ever get the chance to do this, you would love it. It's so up your street. Right. And he said, do it and go and train with Dr. Bandler. And I, right. within four days, I was booked on the course. Wow. I was just like, I don't know what this is going to lead to, but I'm doing it. I, I just, yes. this, this is the way. Oh my goodness. I love that. I love that so much. And I, this brings so many stories and light bulbs and pieces to mind that I want to share. And I'm going to note them all down because they are future episodes, future, future episodes. <laughs> but this is so, is such a familiar feeling to me that like seeing the thing, having the spark, knowing because you trust that like whole body yes that oh my gosh I don't know what this is but I need to pursue and find out so oh my goodness okay so oh my gosh I've got two possible avenues of where I want to go now so I'm (laughs) gonna go it feels like I'm gonna take us in a slightly different direction but I feel like it's important and the reason it's important is because before we hit record we were talking you and I about NLP which for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what that is is neuro-linguistic programming. And it's about using language patterns and body language and just how you, your physiology, how you connect with other humans to be able to create and facilitate shifts and change and transformation. And I have had quite the level, quite the high wall, even when you and I met, which was only last year, less than a year ago, of being willing to talk about NLP. And I know I mentioned this just before we hit record. And the reason I have that is because in my experience, there was so much, I don't even know what it is, negative connotation around, mm, what's the word? Not inappropriate, but like manipulative use of some of the skills and some of the tools. And I think that it's important to speak to that because That was my only experience. I'd never had any experience of having NLP used myself, or I didn't think I had anyway at that point, because nobody had explicitly said to me, this is an NLP technique. (laughs) (laughs) And so I had a lot of resistance to saying, um, oh, I'm studying NLP. And really, it was that resistance that led me to embodying and stepping into my role as subconscious transformation facilitator because I didn't want to say NLP practitioner. And I'm really grateful for that resistance because I think it's allowed me to really expand into something else and to start to bring other tools and modalities and all kinds of other things in. But it's also been really interesting to notice that like, if I've got that resistance, I know that I'm going to be putting that resistance out there. And so probably if we'd been having this podcast interview about six months ago, I wouldn't have wanted to talk about this. Mm -hmm. I'd have been like, okay, let's call it something else. Let's like just (laughs) move on from that. Let's call it, let's da, 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 da. And so I'm, I'm leaning into that. So thank you for taking us here because this is the first time I've spoken about this really on the podcast. But I think what's important to say about that is that it's, it's, the same as anything else. It's your your unique experience, right? It's like my unique experience, my unique set of experiences, the articles I'd read, the things I'd seen online, the conversations I'd overheard had led me to that opinion. And then I'll speak to so many people and I'll say NLP, and I don't know if this is true for you too, and they'll be like, oh, what's that? Mm. They've never heard of it. Yep. 
And isn't it funny that we build up this thing like, oh, I can't say that because people are going to go, whoa, I don't know what it is. And that actual, actually what's true is probably 80% of the people I speak to don't even know what it is. Yeah. So let's fast forward a little bit <laughs> to when we met last year. Was it when we did the Get Unstuck sessions in May? Is that when we first? Yeah. That's my understanding. How did you come across the Get Unstuck sessions? So... I believe very much that life has my back and that is definitely proven to be the case when I look back probably for the last 20 years actually. But I went and did um, the Jenny She's Make It Work Online course. That's right. Um, which was great. It was, I think, 10 weeks intensive in starting mm. in February. And um, Jenny's very good friends with Kendrick, who is obviously a friend of yours. And right at the end of Make It Work Online, where I had like so many things going on, Kendrick shared the link to the Get Unstuck. And I saw the words subconscious transformation. Mm -hmm. And a bit that we talked about prior to uh, recording today, I was mindful. So I started, I, I was qualified in October of 2019. And between October and December, I did sort of practicing with various people offering like free sessions and things. And then in January, I had a couple of clients and I started Make It Work Online in February. And because it was so intensive, I, I was available to support people, but I obviously wasn't well known. I didn't have a massive client book. And I was quite happy with that because there was a lot I wanted to, because um, I work 25 hours-ish a week because I have mm -hmm. the horses. I wanted to give everything my all. So I, I hadn't worked for a while. Uh, you know, I hadn't done client sessions for, I don't know, maybe a few weeks or something. And I thought, oh, it be interesting to see what somebody else does in the realms of subconscious transformation. I'll just go in and be nosy and, and kind of yeah. see. And, and I was totally open for stuff to come for me, but it was honestly more like, oh, this will be interesting to see what someone else that's in a similar sphere, how they do it. Um, so yeah. that was what what attracted me. And then you did the, um, video message. Oh yes. <laughs> and you, and you'd, and I thought, oh, this is obviously a generic thing. And then you said something like, and I've been on your website and I see that you're in France. And I was like, Ooh, Oh, she really knows who I am. And so then I was like, Oh, right now I'm really hooked. Okay. So, so then, and I, I think I had something going on, so I couldn't do the first live session, but I watched it back and I am somebody that once I've committed to something, I do see it through. I rarely start something and then don't finish it. But once mm. I'd watched the first recording, I was like, right, I need to be there for the rest of the live. And, mm. and yeah, it was, it just went from there and it was fantastic. So cool. And what's so interesting about this, and I was reflecting this to you before we hit record, is that at that point, when we did get unstuck sessions, that was May, I think. Is that right? April, May time. Yeah, yeah somewhere in there. And um, yes, it was May. And I remember because when I so these welcome videos that you're speaking about when people were signing up for the Get Unstuck sessions, which was free, which is coming back by the way in March. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I recorded. I decided I was going to record a personal welcome video to every single person who registered, which I thought at the time was probably going to be a hundred, maybe two hundred people. And I was thinking that was quite a large undertaking. And I was like, oh, that's quite a lot of videos to make because they were personal. Like I was, if somebody had a website in their name, I was off looking at their website, researching who they were and what they did. And it really helped me to connect to people. But whoa, we ended up with over 500 people registering. Wow. And I was like, what have I started? I'm in this endless tunnel. But every time that I felt like, oh my gosh, I can't fulfill on this. It's too big. It's too much. 
somebody would reply in the way you did saying, wow, this is so amazing. Thank you so much for like taking the time to do this. And I was like motivated all over again. But what happened then was that I I was aware, it was the first time I'd met you. So you were new to me. And there were a couple of other people as well who came through who, who, who were already in this work and in this world and doing this work with clients. And I was all of my like, oh gosh, who am I to facilitate people who do this work? I haven't been doing it that long. Am I Yeah, yes, exactly. And especially when one of them said master practitioner, I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm not that yet. <laughs> and that just solidified even further. I wasn't gonna like reveal what my like training had been, or I was just like, I'm not gonna tell anybody anything. Just gonna keep doing what I do and see what happens. It was so interesting to know that. At that point, because that was not long ago, no. you know, like from then till I would say the second time we did it in October, oh my gosh, the the transformation just for me from facilitating it was so, so huge. So I was very grateful for that opportunity because it was stretchy. I was like, oh gosh, what if they think this is too basic or what if this is da, 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 da. <laughs> But what I do know is that in this work, and I, I believe this is true of all work, right? Whatever we do for work. especially when we are coaches, I feel like it's so important that we have our own facilitation and our own coaching. And I really do believe, I know they say, you know, coaches need coaches, but I I believe that anybody who I would want to coach me needs to be plugged in to their own support, their own facilitation. And it was that and seeing the results you were getting and seeing you sharing, oh my gosh, this has happened. Oh my goodness, this light bulb has just gone off that was driving me in ways that I couldn't even, it was like fuel. Yeah. It was literally fueling everything. And that week of the Get Unstuck, I mean, that was the first time I'd done it. I didn't really, you know, and it was crazy. I've spoken about that before with Mary here. Like I created everything and it was a monster mm. task to pull that together. But when we did it the second time in October, oh my gosh, the energy again was like reignited because again, is that transformation. And with this work, one of the things I love the most is the fact that when you facilitate, you you shift yourself. Yes. And every time I will do this with a client, I will see it happen. I'll be like, oh, I'm saying this. This is coming through. This is what we're doing. And then I'll feel it. And I'll be like, oh, great. It's a win-win. Yeah. So it's absolutely gorgeous. And so rewarding as well. You just learn so much from each and every one, don't you? Absolutely. And I know that this is why I've enrolled in a whole second wave of certification in exactly the same modalities, because I feel like just being facilitated as part of that learning and the nuance and the breadth of study and all the different things just integrates you deeper and deeper. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I see, and I see this often, is that it's one thing to have tools or to learn something or to understand it on a logical level. And it's entirely another to then trust somebody, especially in a group environment, to trust somebody and to be open and be coachable to your own expansion, even when, because you get there, there's that very easy, especially with online business, very easy to get to that place where you're like, oh, cool. Well, I'm here now. Right, there's this line that we see ourselves on. Yes, I'm here. So (laughs) this is where I am and I only need things above here. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm really, I was so delighted that you were open to that whole experience and that you then came on board for the shift sessions because that was like, yes, here we go. So I'd love you to share a little bit about 
what happened for you from that point? Like, why did you want to lean in further? What has it changed for you? Uh, and anything major that you just feel like is important for people to know, having heard the story of where you've been till now? So the shift sessions, I, I had an amazing experience in the first week where mm. I, I came in with the intention of really stretching my self-belief about my ability to make the business a success. Because as I said, first-time entrepreneur, I believed that I could do it, but I'd done a lot of work um maybe nine months earlier, recognizing that kind of being an entrepreneur is actually 80% mindset, 20% strategy. And so with mm. that in mind, I had such great shifts during the the get unstuck week, the free, the free week that you um, did that I was like, yeah, I so need to do the, the next six weeks because I felt like we gelled in terms of our characters and where you were coming from, which obviously a massive important thing for me. And yeah. I could feel the difference that it was making in my own self-belief. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm sold. Let's go for it. And what I did was I used the opportunity and all the, all the work that we did in the shift sessions to just really focus on what my business was going to look like who I needed to up level to be to be that person that ran that business to help those people that came to me for support and it was incredible and I did um I then signed up to the shift method because it was a complete match in terms of the the learning more. So yes, there's more NLP, but there's other things that I haven't done or things that I've touched on. But like we've talked about before, you, you never get to a point and you go, yeah, I'm done. It, it just yeah. doesn't happen. You know, there, there's layers of us, but there's also things that you can hear at one stage of your journey that you might hear six months later and it affects you completely differently. So yes. where you're at at that point in time is, is so different to where you were another point. And for me, I've, I've, I've mentioned this to you before, I think on the graduates call, uh, my husband talks about me being Nikki 2.0 because yeah. I've changed so much in in a really good way and and the way that i describe it now is i'm like a recovered control freak so <laughs> what i what i know to be true and i've done a lot of like looking back into my history and and all of those things and i can understand why i was a control freak what I know is I was trying to control everything external to me because I was looking for a level of stability that I perceived that I didn't have when I was younger, which mm. is completely normal. And I think there's many people that find that that to be the case. What I realized, though, through the work that I did, both in the shift sessions and I am a, a podcast addict of many different <laughs> people that I listen to, is I can't control anything outside of me. And the mm. acceptance of that was literally life-changing. Mm. What I was then able to do and able to recognize that I could use that focus, which is a word you mentioned yesterday. So it's kind of the flip side of the control freak. It's that, te it's that tenacity in, in a positive sense. I can use that focus to treat myself and to have the habits that make me feel great and enable me to be the best, the best version of me. So things like making sure that I get the best quality sleep that I can have rather than, well, it's 10 o'clock, but I'm addicted to whatever it is I'm watching on Netflix. So I'm going to just watch another one. I have dogs that get up at six o'clock, whatever time yeah. I've gone to bed. So yeah. if I go to bed at half 11, they're still up at six. Yeah. Making sure that I'm you know, eating well, drinking plenty of water, and what I've learned is that the small things like that, alongside accepting that I can't control what's out there, it's been transformational. 
And what I've learned, and we've touched on it a little bit, life has my back. You can see that from the things that we've talked about. Now I know that and I accept it. We talk about it in the shift sessions. I'm hands off the wheel. Stuff is going on around me, for me, not to me. And I can just keep going. I know where I'm heading. I'm open to stuff changing. But I was for sure in resistance because I, I things should be this way. Things shouldn't be that way. And it was exhausting. And I think when you recognize that, that actually all I've done all that to myself, my choice, yeah. no one else, I can't be blamed for it because I wasn't aware of it, but now I'm aware. And so the fact that I have all of this knowledge and I can show this to my clients who were just like, oh my God, I've been choosing to do this. And I'm like, of course, but you're not to blame. This isn't something to batter ourselves with. You didn't know. But is it, I think it's Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. Mm. And, And that's what I've learned. And so I know one of your top values is trust. And for me, that's the most empowering thing because it doesn't matter all of what's going on around because I'm still me. I'm still doing my thing. I'm looking out for myself. I'm taking care of myself. And what happens is people see that and they feel that energy and they go, I want some of that. How how do you get to that stage? Can you help me? And I'm like, yep, come in, let's chat. And it feels incredible. I love that you say that. It's so I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear because I never get tired of hearing these stories of what people have learned about themselves and how that changes things in their lives. And it's so important because it's one thing for me to tell your story, but it's so another for you to tell it yourself in your own words. And I feel like it's that, it's that being it, right? It's the being the, uh, this is the thing I always get in my own guidance is that I'm here to be the example. And I, 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 I feel like every single time I do anything, I transform myself. I go deeper embodied into that. Yeah. And I feel like that trust, that all important trust comes when you can see somebody who is really walking their talk, really embodied in the work that they do and the message and the vision that they stand for. It is magnetic, like Mm. irresistibly. And even if when you first see it, it makes you feel all like, you know, all the resistance and all the triggers and all the it's still, you still can't look away. You're still like, oh, I hate that she wrote that. And then you're like, but what's she saying now? (laughs) (laughs) And that is that resistance that you speak of. And I know that, I mean, I see it now. This is the third round of the shift sessions that we, that we did. We did three rounds in one year, which was, it was a lot. It was a lot for people to go through. And each time, because people who are doing the shift method get to come through it again, or people can choose to come through it again. I was like, well, are they going to like, do I need to change something? Are they going to get bored? Is it going to be enough? And then when I see them come through and I hold the trust that that work was designed to be multi-layered and to just be a do and repeat, do and repeat, do and repeat. I find myself having to say all the time, people don't repeat it because it doesn't work. (laughs) People repeat it because it works so incredibly well that each time you do that, you go a layer deeper into understanding who you are and accepting yourself and being able to show up in the world from that grounded, embodied, empowered place. And then the next time you go in and you do that work or any other kind of transformation or self-discovery work, 
you go even deeper anchored into it. Yeah. And people need that inspiration because it feels safe. Yeah. And so when you feel safe, people are like, I just want to be around you. And <laughs> I hear this and I'm sure you've heard this too. I've, I have people who just reach out and they're like, I don't even know what it is that you do, but I just want to be in your world because I just want to be around you and I'll just buy anything that you, I, what did Mary say the other day? She said something really hilarious about, she said, well, you've got your people who would, uh, she said something like, if you farted and put it in a jar, people would buy it or something like that. I was like, oh my gosh, that's nice, horrific thing. I was like, oh my gosh. It was so funny because I said to her, as, as I'm always saying, people are attracted to the energy. Mm. And once that energy is in place and that magnetism and you are there speaking from that, all the marketing stuff is just a nice to have. It's just, the, it just accelerates it rather than being the thing. Yeah, absolutely. What I've really found is, um, so one of the things in the shift, the first round of the shift sessions in June, I think it was, mm. um, I started to do Insta stories to camera and I've, I've, so people get to kind of know, like, and trust you. And I always thought I'd be like, oh, I don't want to be on camera, but actually I started to really enjoy it. And of course it really does up engagement and then people talk to you and, and that's fantastic. And what I find is, and this has happened this week on like about six different occasions, I put out a, a, my first vlog over Christmas. I think it was between Christmas and New Year. And I do like a, a blog post every fortnight and, and I do various stories and that kind of thing. There, I have certain people that will like watch my stories and they might do a comment here or there and they'll be kind of almost in the background for like weeks and months. Mm. And then there'll be something that I'll say that just has really resonated and they'll message and they'll go, I love the stuff that you do and what you've just said, that's it. And, and now I need to work with you. It's, it's that kind of, it's that cycle almost that it's like, oh yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. Ding. That's it. Yeah. And then they come. And, and then what often happens because I have a lot of horsey people that come to me and this has been really interesting. We talked a lot before about, you know, finding your ideal client. So many people in the last few months have come to me with a horsey thing and it's been really apparent that the thing is not the horsey thing. However, yes. what they can do, they can justify investing something in something that's going to help their horse. Yes. And then when we have the conversation and I can identify that there's something going on at a lower level and I can explain to them how I can see that. And then they're like, oh, you can read my mind, which of course often happens yes. because as with NLP, you listen to people's language and, and, and that tells you what's going on in their reality. When you reflect that back to them, it's like, oh, how did you know that? And, and so I yeah. think then people understand that you really get them and then they're willing to invest in themselves because they can see the value in just the short time that you've talked about it. And that's been really powerful for me because I had the whole kind of, am I going to just end up with loads of horse people? Not to say that that's wrong, but, and I do love to help people with things that they have that are challenging from a horsey point of view, but it's not, solely what I want to do and yes. it's been so interesting to see that kind of evolution in people it's been it's been very humbling to be honest I love that so much and I think you know this is it's the magic isn't it it's like people yeah. come to you thinking they want this yes because that's what they're ready to tap into that's what they see and that's what they think is going on and it's when you're able to really go into that deeper level yeah. that it becomes that bond and that trust again that we keep talking about. It's yes. so important. Yeah. So important. No, it really is. I would love you to, and I, I'm aware that we're slightly over the time we said we'd be, but I'd love to bring us towards a close at least by just sharing some of the magic that 
you've sent me some voice snippets over the time that we've known each other. Every so often, your name will pop up in my inbox. And I'll be like, oh, it's Nikki. And I'm always excited when it does because it you you will come in and you will say, oh, you will not believe what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and so these things were, were happening in kind of quick succession where things were unfolding and things were happening. And in as much specificity as you would like to go or just examples are fine, can you speak a little bit to how that felt to have things that seem to be just slotting into place and everything just because, especially because you are one year and one day into running your business? I think that would be really important. Yeah. So um, when I started to do the stories to camera back in June last year, I within the space of, I think, about three weeks, I got three new clients and, and two of whom signed up for packages. And that mm. was really interesting because it was then like, oh, this is happening. And these were people that had never met me before. So what was happening before and still does happen to a degree now, somebody will get in touch and they'll they'll kind of go, I'm thinking I might want to support with this. What do you think? And we'll exchange messages or whatever. And then every now and again, it happened today, somebody will just book in. And I, yeah. I might recognize their name because they follow uh, on a story, but they've obviously, it's that resonation, resonating ding, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. And it's what I love is, it's, it's human nature to kind of make an assessment of somebody. I had a had a call with somebody last week, or maybe it was the week before, just before Christmas, and I expected that she was going to be a, a person that was going to need one session to do with horses, and that was going to be that. She's quite a young person, and it became very apparent that she is looking for something much bigger and broader. One of the packages that I have is my VIP coaching package, which is 90 days, and it's kind of intensive. It's designed to be a session, a fortnight for people who have literally said, I want to change my life for the better. I'm all in. I want to work with you. I want to get into all the nitty gritty of what's going on. And that's what she's signing up for. I would never have dreamt that that was the case. I've done work around, oh, will people buy this? Oh, it's a bit more expensive than the others. It's a bit more of a commitment. But actually, that's what people are crying out for. And the evolution that I feel is that with every client I have, like you said, through your transformations through the shift sessions, I grow as well. And I had a client call yesterday, completely new client. She she booked in the last week before Christmas. It was my first available appointment of the new year. And we'd exchange a couple of messages and she booked in for something completely different. She booked in for a horsey thing. Within 15 minutes, I was able to say to her, this is what's going on at a deeper level. And she was like, you're so right. And for <laughs> me, what I can see now is that might have taken me previously two thirds of a session to kind of eke that out. But I'm yeah. now so focused in on what people are saying and their mannerisms and, and listening for the underlying that yes. it's becoming just second nature. Whereas 12 months ago, I almost was there with like my bit of and and this yeah. and oh, it's like taking the stabilizers off. And suddenly, yeah. like with anything, I'm just doing it. And and it not only that, but it feels amazing. And I feel so confident. 
And that then rolls into, well, well, what comes next? So then when I got a message from somebody today and she she was asking, um, she was she was really self-aware actually, and, and here's some of the things to do with boundaries, which is one of my favorite topics. And I was like, mm-hmm. yes. And so I'm there going, oh, isn't it funny that I'm attracting all of these people? <laughs> and that, again, I'm back to, I, I trust life. So of course this is happening because this is my life now. You haven't said that yeah. in the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that's what feels incredible that comes back to the trust because if I'd have sat there on the 2nd of January and gone, oh, where are all my next lot of clients going to come through? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not into the realms. I'm just doing my thing. People are either liking it or they're not liking it and that's completely fine. And because I'm happy in myself and I know, love and trust myself, I'm fine with whoever wants to come in can come in. And if people don't want to come in, that's cool too. And that feels like a really nice, comfortable, solid place to be rather than an old version of me a few years ago. Oh, but what if they don't like me? Oh, but what about this? And that that overthinking exhaustion. Yeah. Night and day, the difference. It's absolutely incredible. And as you're speaking, I just keep marveling at the fact that you are one year in, like one year in. We were <laughs> reflecting to you yesterday on the mastermind call, how so, some of us who've been doing this for years, it feels like lifetimes in terms of the internet time span and lifespan, how I can't even imagine having had the like foresight to position myself with the kind of support that you have one year into my business. And so I'm really excited to see what 2021 has in store for you. And on that note, I would love to invite you to share with, I know that people who've been listening will be resonating so deeply with this and they'll want to connect with you further away from this episode. Where is best for people to come and find out about you? So I am on Instagram. Um, It's probably the best place, Instagram or Facebook. I am Be Your Best Yet. And my website is beyourbestyet.co.uk. They're the three places to come and find me. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you so, so much for taking the time out of your day to have this conversation. It's been an absolute delight to just revisit and recap. And before we close, I just want to give you the opportunity to make sure if there's anything that you wanted to say or anything you feel like you just needed to say that you didn't get the opportunity to say, the floor is yours. I think for me, It's around encouraging people, whether you reach out to me or Laura or any number of people, there is always an opportunity to make improvements. You don't have to have a problem. You don't need to be struggling with something. I couldn't have dreamt five years ago or even three years ago that my life would be as good as it is now. And the changes that I've made in some ways have been quite subtle but actually they've Mm. been really profound. And I literally feel better, happier and healthier than I ever have. And if I could bottle this and sell it to people, I think I'd make a fortune. And of course, I'm trying to bottle and sell it to people to improve their lives, which is the point, as are you. But I think that my, my, what I'm trying to change through my communities and, and my clients is I believe that a lot of people, and I was absolutely one of them, have got used to not feeling great for a long time and that that has become the norm. Mm. Whilst it might be normal, I genuinely don't believe it's natural. 
And I'm on a bit of a quest to say to people, it doesn't have to be this way. You can feel so much better, happier, calmer, more joyful, far more easily than you might think. And it's around encouraging people to want that for themselves and to be able to take that step to say, I'm worth it to make that investment to feel better. That's the big thing for me. That's my kind of drum that I like to bang for people. So if that resonates, then I'll be really happy. Oh, thank you, Nikki. It's amazing. And it's so true. It's so, so true. And I love that you mentioned just previously about how some of your shifts have been so subtle. Yes. And I think that's the piece, you know, that's the piece that I know I've stumbled around in the past to try and explain to people like, this is not about fixing something that's broken. Mm -hmm. It's just about optimizing what you already have. And so I love, I love that. I love everything you've shared. Thank you, Nikki, so, so much. This has been an absolute pleasure and I cannot wait to see what happens for you as this year goes on and all the gorgeous people who get to have your help to be their best yet. It's going to be incredible. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. (laughs) Thank you. I so appreciate spending time with your ears today. (laughs) If you're not already, come and follow me on Instagram. Let's be friends. You can find me at Totally Laura, where I share behind the scenes, latest updates and freebies, as well as giving you the opportunity to tell me what you want to hear more of here on the podcast. I'll be waiting for you in the DMs.